Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. Time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. If you love Push Black's Black History Year, you'll love our newest podcast called Two Minute Black History. In only two minutes, you'll hear little-known stories about our people and reclaim the knowledge we need to take action and advance our community. To move towards the future, you've got to look to the past. Learn the history you didn't get in school. Tune in to Two Minute Black History every Tuesday through Friday, right on the Black History Year feed and wherever you listen to podcasts. I don't know about y'all, but I love waking up black every day. But being black in America comes with its hardships. The toll it takes on our health is profound, with the U.S. medical system's deeply entrenched racism and neglect inflaming the challenges we already face. This has led to a distressing consequence that often goes unnoticed. I'm Jay from Push Black, and you're listening to Black History Year. It's important to recognize that socioeconomic factors and historical disparities impact our access to proper nutrition and health care. This often contributes to devastating vitamin deficiencies in many of our communities that may lack access to balanced diets and healthy environments. So what's the solution? Well, today's guest is working it out for us. Ashley Harmon is the founder and CEO of Mela Vitamins, the first wellness company custom formulating supplements for melanated people. She began this journey after a PCOS diagnosis left her with symptoms that included chronic fatigue, digestion issues, and a severe vitamin D and vitamin B12 deficiency. With no mainstream vitamin in sight to address our unique nutritional needs, she took matters into her own hands and is here today sharing the many insights she's learned on her journey. Get ready to absorb some knowledge that might have the power to address major health concerns in our community and get answers to hard-hitting questions about the validity of the healing arts. Pull up a chair for this nutrient-rich conversation. First up, a story about a woman with the special gift of healing. 
There is something powerful in our blackness, even if those around us don't see it. This woman's story reminds us that our roots can lead us toward healing and liberation today and into the future. We are infinite. Susie King Taylor came a long way from being enslaved in the Georgia Sea Islands. She knew what it was like to learn how to read and write in the secret of the night and what it was like to be smuggled onto a boat escaping the plantation at merely 14 years old. She experienced it all, but never lost sight of her special gift. For Taylor was a nurturer. She used every skill she had to heal our people of the ravages of anti-blackness. Taylor educated hundreds of formerly enslaved people and eventually became a Civil War nurse. When a smallpox outbreak beset the regiment, it didn't faze Taylor. She always kept her Grandma Dally's medicinal knowledge in tow. So when the disease made its way to our people, she literally turned to her roots. She brewed a tea from the root bark of the sassafras tree. The tea stopped the spread of smallpox and brought healing to those suffering. From midwifery to herbalism, Black traditional medicine is sacred, serving and saving our people for generations and through turbulent times. When we lean into ancestral ways of being and doing, we honor our history, we water our roots. Despite Taylor's success, she never abandoned who she was. There's an undeniable power in tapping into our Blackness. What does Black liberation uh, look like to you? Black liberation is really the freedom for Black people to live well. And so what I mean by that is having the access and resources and information to be able to live a healthy and happy life. I think for so long, we as a community have been so focused on survival that we haven't really had the opportunity to focus on wellness and what our bodies need. Um, and I think part of that is so much of wellness in this country is rooted in whiteness. You know, a lot of us don't show up in spaces of wellness. We don't have products that really prioritize our needs. Um, we don't have doctors that advocate for our health. And so liberation to me is really changing this so that we can have a life of joy and a life of wellness and a soft life, as everyone likes to say, um, and just the ability to live well. How did you cultivate that understanding of liberation as it relates to uh, wellness? I've had my own very personal health journey over the last decade or so um, that has really changed my perspective on what wellness means and kind of what power we have to advocate for ourselves and to know our bodies um, and also to kind of help build this community around that as well. And so I think that's kind of what has shaped my understanding of what Black liberation means. And then, of course, now the work that I'm doing with Melovitamins also kind of brings into that as well. Can you tell us uh, a bit more, an overview, let's say, of how your work connects to uh, achieving that vision of liberation that you shared? 
So our goal is to really empower Black people and people of color to prioritize their health and wellness. So this is through products that help make wellness more equitable and effective in our communities. It's by sharing information and resources and data to give people the information they need to really advocate for their health and understand kind of what our needs are. Um, And then also really building a community and a safe place where people can go on their own wellness journey and take the time they need to really understand kind of what their bodies need and what wellness looks like for them too. You know, there's so much of that has been focused on surviving in the sense of working and in prioritizing, um, you know, doing things for our family and so much of us have been focused on helping others and helping the community and not as much as focused on like what our actual bodies need. And I think a lot of this is looking at how we've kind of gotten to some of the medical innovations and health innovations and how health is looked at in general in this country. You know, Black people have had a lot of amazing contributions to the medical industry in a positive way. But then if you look at a lot of the medical innovations, um, have been built upon the exploitation and testing and abuse of Black people in this country. And so I think for so long, there's been this distrust in the medical industry um, for so many reasons. And so I think um, we've kind of had either an avoidance of it or just a lack of prioritization of what our bodies need in our own health. And so I think um, being able to kind of shift that mindset of becoming advocates and being able to realize that there are things that we can do that help us. And there are people that are focused on our health and focused on doing research and data for our communities too. And so I think just being able to um, shift that mindset of being able to focus on listening to our bodies and coming kind of to a path forward that we write for ourselves too. My understanding of history is that prior to our experience here in America, um, largely we come from a place where we had a much different connection with with nature, with our bodies, uh, with our spiritual selves, uh, with wellness and, and oneness. Um, it seems to me that there was a disconnect um, when we were snatched and enforced here. And now we're in a position where we are, uh, there's certain connotations that it seems like a privilege to be able to focus on wellness when I think for most of history, most of our history, it's been more so just like a, an everyday thing, like a natural way that we showed up. So it's great to hear just the way that you're prioritizing that and um, have the focus of sharing that with others in our community. Uh, you know, what is it? I think you briefly touched on this. There is tons of dollars that go into medical research, the development of new drugs, and it's largely um, funded by and conducted by and done for uh, on behalf of folks that don't look like us. How does that factor into the needs that the unique needs that we may have as as black people? Yeah. So I think that is a great point. I think, you know, before modern times, a lot of us were used in experimentation, right? Against our will, without anesthesia that have caused a lot of the, 
the biases and some of the inequalities that we experience today. I think the flip side of that is that now there are a lot of you know, amazing clinical trials, therapeutic studies that are really focused on innovative things to cure cancer and, and other diseases. And only 5% of participants in current clinical studies are Black. Um, you know, and so we are severely underrepresented in these clinical studies, um, which not only hurts kind of the future of medicine and the future of what we're able to do, but also takes away from our ability to focus on diseases that impact the Black community. So things like sickle cell are severely underfunded. My aunt is living with it right now. Um, and it's a struggle that we see her continue to go through that there haven't been many advances in the last 20 years regarding sickle cell. Um, and so I think it's something that continues to cause inequalities and will continue to be issues. You know, the stuff that's getting studied now is medicine that's going to come out in 10 years and we're not seeing ourselves represented. And so I think that's something that definitely needs to be continued to be addressed. On the other side of that too, from the vitamin space, something that we're focused on is that there aren't any studies right now looking at the vitamin needs specifically of Black people. But we know that there are significant differences. One example is melanin blocks our body's ability to absorb vitamin D from the sun, an estimated 76 to 90% of us are vitamin D deficient. This is not something that other companies are studying or dedicating resources to doing. Um, zinc absorption is another one. Like there's so many different aspects of vitamins and nutrients that are not being studied. And we just know the tips of those information. And so um, I think that's something that's important as we continue to, to think about this idea of like living well and understanding what our bodies need is that yes, there's our own personal journey with that of understanding what makes ourselves feel better, but also the science side of that of dedicating the resources and the funding and the time to actually study clinical studies, trials of what our community needs as well. So there's many folks who, um, so may hear you say, you know, there's representation is important in these trials and that studies need to be done on how medicines or vitamins and supplements react to, to our bodies. Um, but then there's, you know, people may think of this concept um, or this idea that's out there that race is only a social construct and that there's no biological differences between human beings. And I have challenges with understanding and grappling with that concept, knowing about, you know, substances uh, such as melanin and you mentioned the sickle cell issue that's unique to us. So if we're saying that the, it's important, that was a clear study and there's focus and there's intention put behind our needs. Uh, but on the other hand, there is this idea out there that, you know, we're just different colors, but there's nothing biologically different about us. There's so many pieces of this, right? I think on one hand, there are all of the medical biases that come out of race. So for example, they did a study in 2016 of recent medical school students, and almost half of them had ideas that Black people have thicker skin, that we don't feel pain the same way, and a bunch of other things that are just incorrect. And so I think there's that really negative side of it where, yes, like we need to remove 
how we're thinking about race and medicine so that there aren't these biases of people thinking that we don't feel pain the same, that we're not given pain medicine. When we look at black maternal mortality rates because women aren't listened to when they're in you know, the birthing process. I think on the other side of that though, there are differences and it's not necessarily race-based, but it is like, you know, concentration of melanin in the skin, for example, like does make an impact on vitamin D deficiency. And I don't think while it's necessarily all race-based, there are certain aspects that do impact our community. And at the end of the day, we need to address those to be able to move away from some of the chronic diseases that continue to really hit our communities harder than anyone else. So like dementia, breast cancer, colon cancer that you see are really prominent in our community. So yes, there's, you know, the discrimination piece that we need to work on and focus on, but also there is an understanding of we do have unique needs, whether that's genetic needs or socioeconomic needs or different levels of stress that we experience. There are different health risks that we have that we need to address as well. So let's dig more into that then. You mentioned um, melanin. Yeah. So melanin, we know, blocks the sun and the harmful UV rays and provides a level of protection. Along with that, it also blocks our ability to absorb vitamin D in the same way. Um, And so the more melanin, the more the vitamin D that's getting blocked. So there's all these links to severe chronic illnesses um, that are linked to our body's ability to absorb and effectively use vitamin D. And vitamin D is such an essential nutrient to so many aspects of our health, bone density, heart health, cognitive health, um, and really is just a fundamental piece. And the amount of vitamin D that we would have to intake, I think it's like 56 eggs is the amount of vitamin D that we would need to avoid a deficiency. And it's just not something that's that's realistic for people to do. And so that's kind of why we're focused on the supplementation side of that to provide people with that level of vitamin D that they would need. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So one question I had, so you mentioned uh, melanin and its relation to vitamin D. And I'm curious, in your research, have you seen any uh, research done on differences in how um, that deficiency appears for us as Black folks in the United States versus Black folks that uh, are elsewhere in the diaspora, such as Africa, uh, more so around the equator and the Caribbean? Yeah, so there's definitely a difference based on climate and, and geographic location. I think definitely the ability to be in the sun for extended periods of time and the availability of sun. Um, you know, most people's vitamin D levels dip in the winter because there's less available sun. So there's definitely a difference in 
um, ability to be outside in the sun, also in the foods that we do eat. You know, a lot of our soil, um, the nutrients that are in it have been degraded over time. And so the nutrients that we get from our food, from farming, farming practices in the U.S., is not the same level of nutrients that it used to be or that necessarily other countries have. So that's also a part of it. And what makes a difference in our kind of nutrient needs as well um, is just the food that we're eating, the level of nutrients in the soil, and then, of course, the availability of sunshine as well, too. Sort of flags go off in my head when I hear something like that, because that, to me, uh, the dots I'm connecting say, okay, well, we've been taken out of our natural habitat. We don't have access to the types of foods that would really uh, support our systems and our uh, our biology inside our bodies um, because of the way that we were taken from a place yes. that we should have been in. For sure. I mean, I think, you know, when you look at why we have melanin, right? It was protect protect us and, and where we're originally from of the sun exposure and everything else. And I think there's so many different aspects of that with melanin and vitamin D, but so many other aspects of our health that we've built up certain things and, and certain parts of, of how our bodies function um, to function in that environment. And now we are in a very different place. And, um, you know, we're, we're dealing with kind of the impacts of that now with things like vitamin D deficiency, for example. Um, so this melanin is something that, you know, I've seen the phrase are the, the word used more so on social media within the past decade or so. There's black scholars have been doing work on it for a long time as well. But uh, I'm curious as to, uh, you know, are there uh, folks outside of our community studying this or fascinated by this concept as well that we should know about? I think there can, needs to be so much more work that's done. And I think that's something that we're really advocating for is that there needs to be more research and understanding done on what our nutritional needs are. Um, and then also just melanin in general, like what other benefits do it have? Does it have, right? Like we've looked at there's antioxidant properties. There's all these other really positive benefits that also haven't been studied. So not just looking at it from like a nutrient deficiency side, but also like what are the benefits um, of how our bodies function and how melanin kind of impacts our overall health as well. There's some folks, many folks out there who believe that this makes, melanin makes us, uh, dare I say, superhuman in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. We've identified what the challenges are um, and what the opportunities are with this amazing thing called melanin, but it needs to be nourished in a certain way. Our bodies need nourishment in a certain way. Um, tell us about how you came to create Mela. Yeah, so I was diagnosed with PCOS, which is polycystic ovary syndrome and a vitamin D deficiency in college. Um, I spent about two to three years doing the traditional medicine route, visiting a bunch of different doctors. I ended up being put on heart medicine that I didn't need because people weren't really listening to what, you know, my underlying conditions were before I was diagnosed with the vitamin D deficiency um, and just spent a lot of time feeling terrible, dealing with digestion issues, exhaustion, um, 
and just wanted a way to make myself feel better. So I found a naturopathic doctor that was black that really took the time to understand kind of what I was going through my symptoms, helped me come up with, you know, the the vitamin deficiency and helped me really understand the benefit of supplementation in our diets. I mean, I was a vegetarian for 20 years. I thought I was eating really healthy and getting everything I needed out of food and the kind of idea of food as medicine, which I still think is very true, but understanding kind of like the importance of supplementation as well. Um, And so the, the vitamins that they recommended were great. It was over $150 a month. There was no way I could afford this. Um, and so I set out on a mission to just make my own supplements so that I could feel better. Um, so spent years developing different formulas, testing different ingredients, um, started having friends and family members that were kind of going through the same thing. I would make supplements for them. Um, not something I thought I would do full time until the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and I really saw how you know, our community was disproportionately impacted. At that time, all these studies came out linking vitamin D deficiency to severe COVID. So I started trying to find supplements and things to recommend to other family and friends. And I realized that no other companies were really focused on this. They didn't have adequate levels of vitamin D. They weren't really taking the time to understand what our unique health risks were. Um, And so spent, you know, the next year, after COVID kind of hit, talking to people, talking to women across the country, doing focus groups to really understand kind of what were the health goals and needs in our community. Um, And then worked with a team of different doctors, people that really understood Black health, cared about our wellness to actually come up with the formula. And then um, that's how we came up with our first product, which launched at the end of last year. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing your journey and it's uh, and congratulations on, you know, being able to take your experience and recognize that there's others in our community, many others that are facing similar challenges and creating a uh, innovative solution for that. So first off, thank you for the, the work you're doing. Um, and something else stood out was that you were talking to people to understand the health needs. Tell me a bit about uh, that process of connecting with folks in the community as you're developing this solution. Yeah. So we had so many interested people. And I think one of the biggest things that we learned is that people felt like the wellness industry in general does not care about us or care or even care to ask what, how we're feeling, what we need, what are our concerns, what are our goals. And so people were super willing to participate because they had never had someone ask them how they felt or ask them what their kind of health goals or what their worries were. Um, and so there were a few areas that people were super concerned about, um, which is kind of how we developed the formula. Um, so of course, one blood sugar management was a huge one that came up for people, things like cognitive health, Um, and kind of helping to prevent the risks of dementia and Alzheimer's disease. And then, of course, general digestion issues. So there were all these kind of different topics that came up. Um, But really, the questions we were asking people is, you know, 
how do you feel on a day-to-day basis? What bothers you? What are the things that you need support with? Are there any things that run in your family that you're worried about or things that your doctor has told you that you don't really have a good solution for? And that was kind of the basis for it. And I think it was also a mindset shift in the people that were participating to actually take the time to journal. We asked people to journal how they're feeling over the course of a week um, to actually listen to their bodies, which is something that I think so many of us have gone gotten away from um, is is being able to actually take the time to listen to how we're feeling. And so that's kind of the the basis for how we got feedback to start. What surprised you the most throughout this process of creating Mellow? You know, it was a very much a long journey for me to learn how to advocate for myself and for me to understand that how I was feeling was not normal. I think I've normalized pain and so many people in our community normalize pain, normalize not feeling well. And I think I realized through this journey that so many other people feel the same way that we as a society have, you know, told us that we're the, we're the strong ones, like strong black women, all of these things that it is not normal to not feel well and that we should not have to go through life not feeling like our best selves, feeling tired, not understanding why, you know, we're having certain conditions. And so I think that's probably one of the biggest things I've learned is that, you know, that is something that needs to be pushed at the forefront is having these conversations and letting people feel empowered to kind of take control of their health and that they deserve to feel better than than what they do right now. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. As you were listening, to folks in our community, what were some of those recurring issues that would come up um, that you all are trying to solve for? Um, you know, thinking now that someone listening may also be, you know, experiencing that and not necessarily clear on, you know, ways yes. to approach it. Yeah. So I think the number one thing that people said is they were tired. People are tired. Um, and I think that's for a variety of reasons, right? Like I think we we all do too much. We're all working super hard. Um, but there's also other parts of that that are are so intertwined. So things like blood sugar, you know, our blood sugar levels impact our energy levels throughout the day. Um, how well we're sleeping impacts our energy levels and how tired we are. Um, and so that was kind of the starting place is looking at like, why are people tired? Is it, are they tired after they eat? Are they tired if they don't eat? Are they tired when they wake up in the morning? Um, and kind of using that as like the baseline of like, are you feeling well or no? Are you always exhausted? Um, and so that was kind of the baseline for what we found. And then I think what also was interesting was listening to people 
of how they've kind of been dealing with their own like at home remedies for things and things that have been passed down. Um, I know I listen to my grandma talk and my great grandma talk about all the things that they've done kind of for themselves. And I think that was really beneficial as we were thinking through our formulas is that we don't want to include just the, you know, standard, like what are medical terms of vitamins, but also looking at more of the holistic side of things that have been passed down from our families and generations of how people were healing their own bodies. For my own family, spearmint was a huge one and cinnamon was a huge one. So my great grandma lived on a farm, grew her own spearmint, literally used it for everything, made tea, said it cured everything. And and to this day, I still drink it every single day. And I you know, swear by it. Um, And cinnamon was another huge one. You know, I think that was something that so many people brought up and I've used in my own family um, of how many natural benefits it has with, you know, being an antibacterial and also helping with blood sugar management and so many other things. And so I think, you know, listening to people, people have an idea of what has worked for them, what's worked for their families. And I think just being able to create a product where people feel like it is the culmination of what they need and also their understandings of how to take care of themselves too. And I saw that uh, on the website, you specifically highlight that cinnamon is included uh, in some of the language on the website. So it's cool to hear the backstory behind that. Um, And it's really cool to hear how this is really a Mm co-creation with the community, not just saying, hey, this is something that I'm going to give y'all, but really taking time to to dig in and, and co-create something that um, can benefit us in ways with a certain type of care that others are less interested in, in doing. So that's really. For sure. Yeah. And I think there's there's such a, a, a distrust of the wellness industry and health industry um, for so many reasons. You know, we, we briefly touched on all of the, the abuses and exploitation that I think black people have lived through in the med- medical industry. And so I think. What was important to us is to, yes, have the science behind it and the data behind it um, of why we were including certain vitamins and things. But also, like you said, the community side of it is that people can kind of have that trust because they know we've talked to everyone. We've been through there. We've heard your stories. And um, being really transparent about that process, too, is something that's important. And I think that is part of what we're trying to do is empowering people. And it can't be empowered if they don't trust what you're doing and they don't believe in the product. And so I think um, that's something that more companies should should focus on too. For sure. And you even brought you brought your grandma into it. Where you, <laughs> yes. Where are your people from? Where are you from? Um, I live in LA now, but I'm originally from the Northern Virginia area and my mom's whole family grew up. There's like a whole street of us living on one big country road um, in Virginia where they've all been able to kind of build this beautiful community and grow their own food and their own herbs. And um, just being able to see that part of how they've been raised and how they've taken care of each other and taking care of themselves, I think has definitely inspired my journey. That's incredible. So being able to be part of that and witness that and be of that lineage and build on it in, in this way, I'm sure that feels very uh, fulfilling in a sense. It does. It does. And I think to being able to share that with my family and for the first time for them to feel comfortable taking something and for them to start seeing how kind of things are are slowly beginning to change, that there doesn't have to always necessarily be this level of fear and understanding that 
there is starting to be more representation and people are starting to pay attention more to to our health and, and prioritizing that too. You mentioned folks taking something for the first time. Um, I'm curious about what you've heard or observed in this process um, because my observation anecdotally, this is not scientific, is that often, you know, we may be quick to um, to take a, a drug because of a problem. If the go to the doctor, if we go to the doctor, then they say, there's this thing going on. Here's this drug. Take this thing. Um, we might be likely to take that. I was just listening <laughs> today to the news where the uh, there's this new weight loss drug and the company's lobbying the Congressional Black Caucus to try to get it put, like try to get something of done course. with the regulation, <laughs> right? Because they know <laughs> Black folks' issues. But I've also seen hesitance and on the front end doing something that is um, more preventative, whether it's a supplement, whether it's dietary change or um, fitness I'm curious if you've observed something similar uh, or not. Yeah, I think there's such a push and pull between traditional medicine and a more holistic view. And I think, you know, the medicine is a business in this country, right? Like they're in it to make money. They're in it for the insurance and, and the pharmaceutical companies. And, um, you know, I think there's still a lot of benefit that traditional medicine has. I think on the other side of that, there is this kind of holistic approach. And I think the unfortunate thing is that it really puts the responsibility on us to advocate for ourselves. And so, like you said, you know, a lot of times we're quick to jump to taking a medication. I have a headache. I'm going to take something. I have this issue. I'm going to take something. And so I think it's really taking the time to slow down and to try to find the root causes of what is causing some of our symptoms or the root causes of some of the issues that we're experiencing and trying to figure out, are there any natural alternatives to a medication? And maybe the medication is the answer, but it's actually taking the time to understand what the root cause of the issue is. And I think, unfortunately, when you go into the doctor's office or you go into your healthcare provider, it's having to push for that, right? I think a lot of times people are very quick to write a prescription. We've all seen it happen. Um, but being able to advocate for yourself and push to get more tests done, to figure out what other options that you have, I think is something that's so important. It continues to kind of be this, this push and pull between the holistic side and like the more traditional side of medicine too. On that note, you know, there are folks who also just don't trust, like don't trust the medical system, but also may not trust, <laughs> don't trust holistic healers. Right. So uh, I'm curious, what do you say to those folks who also don't trust folks who are holistic healers or um, not necessarily doctors, but creating like for Mela, right? I don't believe you're a doctor, but you're creating something for folks' help. What do you say to folks who are skeptical about that. Yeah, I think do your research is the most important thing. Um, you know, I understand why the, the trust isn't there, both on the medical side and on the holistic side. I think there's people that don't always have our best interests or don't really understand our best interests um, when it comes to health and medicine and wellness. Um, but I think as a whole, I think the industry needs to be more transparent, but I also think that if there is a distrust there, it's taking the time to actually understand, look at who's making the products, 
who's funding it, who's behind it, what are the ingredients? Um, you know, and I think it's it's unfortunate that the responsibility is on us because there isn't, you know, the rules of of being transparent with ingredients. But I think it's it's a good process to undertake to not only for supplements, but also the food that we eat, right? Like looking at the ingredients of what the food is in it, who is making the food, who's behind it will kind of help alleviate that distrust because it's not, you know, just because they're a doctor doesn't mean that you can trust what they say. Like you have to put in the extra steps of doing the research to understand kind of the the science behind it or the ingredients behind it. Um, And then I think what needs to change in the industry is more of that upfront transparency and also having bigger black owned like wellness and pharmaceutical and biotech companies. Um, all the biggest companies like the Pfizer's, the Procter and Gamble's, the Johnson and Johnson's, they aren't run by people that look like us. And so I think having more companies that have the resources to invest in the research and the development is important. So I'm hearing you speak about, uh Black ownership in these spaces and Black involvement in these spaces. And I always push and say that any system that exists that we see an opportunity to get in, what does it look like to create our own? So I'm curious, you know, uh, what thoughts do you have on that? Is there a need or opportunity or benefit for us creating our own uh, health and wellness system uh, in addition to the products and the the job opportunities that you've mentioned? Yeah, I definitely think there's a benefit to it. I think there are a lot of doctors, for example, now that are creating their own um, practices for our community. And I think the importance is that there's kind of that cultural context and the context of our lived experiences that I, I think play a huge part in our health outcomes that aren't necessarily understood or prioritized in a traditional setting. Not to say that we can't eventually get those things in a traditional setting, but I do think there is that level of importance of understanding just how we live and the experiences that we've had, the levels of stress that we go through on a day-to-day basis that impact, you know, our heart health, our cognitive health, our mental health that, um, you know, I think is something that, that black ownership can help alleviate or help address. Like we said, 5% of us are, are represented in clinical studies. How do we know that this product works for us if it's not tested on us? How do we know that, you know, what they're saying is safe for us or for our unique needs if we're not part of the the building process. And so I think whether it's black owned or it's more representation in the actual creation and development process, um, there needs to be more of us in it, whether we own it or we're a part of it, um, I think is so important of building trust and also finding products that actually work for us and, and medicine that actually works for us versus like what you said now with the weight loss drug, where they're just now pushing it on our community. Like, has it been tested in our community? Do we know if it's worked? Do we know if it's safe? Um, and I think there's been so many instances of that where it's kind of pushed to us, but it's like, is it safe for us? Have we tested it? Um, and so I think in that sense, yes, it is super important. Are there actions that folks can take to put pressure on the powers that be to um, to get more black involvement in these, whether it's the studies or whether it's the, and I say that hesitantly knowing that we've been experimented <laughs> on, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what should we be pushing for and how should we be pushing forward as it relates to living into this this vision of liberation that includes wellness? So I think 
part of it is a like a personal responsibility of asking questions, right? Like not necessarily just taking everything that someone says, like pushing a new drug on us, right? Like do your own research, understand, ask questions, ask your doctor questions, um, and, and make sure that you are knowledgeable about what you're putting in your body, what you're putting on your body from that side. I think as a, as a society, we need to put more pressure on the larger companies that are owning a lot of the the medical and pharmaceutical brands, um, supplements, any kind of like wellness and medical related things to include us. I think, you know, as hard as it is, there are a lot of clinical studies that we self-select to not participate in, which I definitely understand how we got there because for so long, we did not have a choice of whether we participated and it was very harmful. But I think there are a lot of really good clinical trials and therapeutic medicines that um, could have a lot of benefit. And then also we need more doctors and scientists that look like us um, that inherently care about our health and understand our experiences that can start to change things in terms of the setup of these clinical studies and trials and also just having that general awareness of when they're creating products or looking at the health industry as a whole that have our best interest in mind too. So I'm in Atlanta. Fortunately, I have access to a lot of Black doctors to choose from, right? And once I started going to a a Black doctor, um, the whole experience changed for me. Um, And so I can testify, I can bear witness to uh, some of the benefits that has in terms of just being comfortable. And um, that's obviously not to say every single doctor that looks like us is going to be the same way. But fortunately, I've had that experience to where it's just a different different vibe than um, in other settings. Different level of understanding for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the future, uh, what does the future hold for Mela Vitamins? Uh, Specifically, what is your biggest hope for the impact uh, that the company will have on the community? Yeah. So our goal is to really to continue to empower wellness and health in our community um, and making products that aren't just another product, but that are actually addressing key concerns and health risks and wellness goals that, that we have. So definitely expanding to include products for men and kids and to address others, you know, significant health concerns in our community, like Black maternal mortality rates and prenatal health and things like that, but also to really be driving change and the narrative around how we think about clinical studies and clinical trials and the nutritional needs of Black people, and really hoping to be able to change and and push companies to dedicate the resources to looking at things that impact us and also including us in these bigger medical innovations is something that we're really focused on. Hopefully partnering with some HBCU medical schools on this, just to really be able to focus on moving the health in our communities forward. Thank you for your work and thank you for joining us on Black History Year. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Great to hear you working on a vitamin for men too. I was looking on the website. I was like, where is yes, that? Yes, that is next. That it's coming up. Okay. It's coming up. That was Ashley Harmon, founder and CEO of Mellow Vitamins. 
To learn more about vitamin deficiencies affecting melanated people, visit www.melavitamins.com. At Push Black, we agree with Marcus Garvey when he said, a people without knowledge of their past history, origin, and culture is like a tree without roots. We believe telling empowering stories on black life and history can build a more liberated black future. Being here with us lets us know you probably feel like that's important too. You matter. Your choice to be here matters. It lets us know that you value this work. And you make Push Black happen with your contributions at blackhistoryyear.com. Most people do five or 10 bucks a month, but really everything makes a difference. Thank you for supporting the work. Black History Year is a production of Push Black, the nation's largest nonprofit black media company. Our team includes Tariq Alani, Brooke Brown, Tasha Taylor, Somalia Rahman, Amber Davis, and Darren Wallace. Producing this episode, we have Sydney Smith and Lynn Webb for Push Black, and Ronald Young Jr., who also edits the show. Black History Year's executive producers are Lily Workna and me, Julian Walker. Peace.